At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warm up for the ball. Welcome to Lovely Las Vegas for the baseball betting show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Houston Family Podcast. We've got a tremendous podcast for you. It's in the second segment. Chris Chan does a great job over there at the Monumental Sports Network. You'll see show by the book that you're able to catch over there Monday through Friday. I believe they, they do that at the same place as the Washington Wizards play, which I believe that's Capital One Arena. I might be mistaken on the exact arena, but I mean, they do an absolutely terrific job. He and Meg McDonald wind up hosting that show, and Chris does an amazing job taking a look at the game of baseball. We're going to be talking about a few teams that feel a little bit more bullish slash bearish on over the last few weeks. We're going to take a look at some good handicapping angles for this Saturday, and also on handicap totals in games like the Nationals versus the Reds, where you've got two terrible pitchers and two terrible offenses going at it. Those are always conundrums to say the least. So we're going to be talking about that with Chris in the second segment, in the final segment. Going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday. As we touch them off first things first, always do love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. You've got one of two ways to be able to this in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters EM. Maybe does not matter. As per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way, it is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. Really did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but had a jam-packed day baseball on Friday. So let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. We had a lot of runs in baseball, but let's start with a pair of teams from the ALE set. We'll end up playing low-scoring games. I'm talking about the Orioles and the Yankees. The Orioles won their game 
against the Houston Astros by a count of two to zero. Kyle Bradish, eight scoreless innings before CNL Perez and Dylan Tate close it out by combining for a scoreless ninth and the only form of offense you saw in this game off the bat of Ramon Odias. 14th home run season. He winds up being able to go deep off of Christian Javier who wanted coming out of the bullpen in super long relief. I do not know why they've got him in long relief now instead of starting, but he gives up two runs over the course of three innings. Lance McCullers Jr., five scoreless, and Will Smith was able to deliver a scoreless setting, but for you, said just four hits and a start by Kyle Bradish which that's very encouraging if you're a fan of the Baltimore Orioles. And for the New York Yankees, was not sexy, but they survived 3-2. to two. They get it done against the Oakland A's for those of you guys with a Yankees run line. This was a little bit tough as the Yankees having their closer issues, but Garrett Cole, very good start. 11 punch outs in seven and a third innings from there. You did end up having trials and tribulations with Wandy Peralta giving up a run in the ninth inning as he was able to complete that inning. And Jonathan Luizga, a pair of outs out of the bullpen for the Yankees, just one of eight with men in scoring position. But Aaron Judge, he drives in all three runs in this one. 49th home run season, third home run in his last four games. That comes off of former Yankee J.P. Sears, who he wasn't terrible. He gave up three runs over the course of six innings, including that bomb, Jared Koenig. Comes in in super long relief from there. The former Las Vegas 80 Aviator, he winds up getting three scoreless setting and wound up having the first home run of the season. It was the lone run that was given up by Garrett Cole off the bat of Jonah Bride. First home run of the season for him, so he was the bride in this one. As the Atlanta Braves, they were putting up a runs of plenty against the St. Louis Cardinals, 11-4. The final, Spencer Strider, a tremendous start. One run surrendered over the course of six innings. Only seven strikeouts for him, that's actually below average. Jackson Stevens, not the relief appearance he was looking for, giving up three runs in a third of an inning as Tyler O'Neill took him deep. Ninth home run of the season, but scoreless innings out of Rossi Iglesias, A.J. Minter, and then Tyler Madzik. Pair of outs out of the bullpen and for the Braves. No home runs, but they go 8 of 17 with men in scoring position. This was just death by a million cuts as Genesis Cabrera. He pitches one inning and gives up five runs, all of which were earned. Chris Stratton, Andre Palanti both give up a run apiece. Stratton, four outs out of the bullpen. Palanti, three outs. Jose Quitana gives up four runs in five innings, but he only wanted giving up two earned as Nolan Gorman hurt him with a bad throwing error and it turned into a situation where Austin Kisner, the backup catcher, he needed to get the final two outs out of the bullpen for the Cardinals. The Minnesota Twins walloped all over the San Francisco Giants, 9-0 the final. Alex Wood had the wood laid to him. Eight runs surrendered over the course of three innings, including a pair of homers going deep off of him. Gary Sanchez, 12th homer on the season. Carlos Correa's 15th. Kyle Garlick would go deep off of the catcher. Austin wins for his ninth homer on the season as wins. Gives up a run in an inning. The bullpen wasn't terrible. Dominique Leon, Zach Liddell both give you a scoreless inning, and Tyler Rogers to score. His problem was damage had been done, and Joe Ryan was not going to be stopped on this night. Six scoreless innings, Emilio Pagan, two scoreless. Michael Fulmer, a scoreless inning. Big for a Minnesota Twins team looking to get back in the AL Central race as currently they are, as I do this podcast, three and a half games back of the Cleveland Guardians and the Chicago White Sox. They find themselves four and a half back because they stubbed their toe again, losing to the Arizona Diamondbacks. There's no trusting in this White Sox team right now. 7-2 the final. White Sox back to 63-63 and 63 after Johnny Cueto wound up getting rocked in this one, and that's a rarity. He's actually been solved this season. Seven runs surrendered over the course of five innings, including a pair of bombs as Emmanuel Rivero gets home run number 11 of the season, and Dalton Varsho is 18th. 
How about this kid, Tommy Henry, the gentleman from the great state of Michigan. He winds up giving up one run over the course of five innings. He did wind up having a run in an inning given up by Tyler Holton, but Reyes Baranta, fresh from the Dodgers, a scoreless inning. Kevin Ginkle, two scoreless innings, and for the White Sox, did wind up having Tanner Banks save the day with three scoreless innings, and Jose Ruiz, a scoreless inning. A.J. Pollock did wind up getting a home run off of Holton, his eighth home run in the season, but that's a little bit of a window dressing on this one, though very significant if he did wind up taking the total in this one as well. The Slam Diego Padres, they did wind up slamming the Kansas City Royals by kind of 13-5 as Joe Musgrove. Not long for this game. Five runs, two of a twirl, and give it up in three, and two-thirds innings hurt by a pair of errors out there in the field. Bullpen from there was actually good. Debello, Charisma, Tim Hill both provide a scoreless inning. Adrian Motajon, two scoreless innings, and then Robert Suarez was able to give you four outs on the bullpen as for the Padres. Wind up getting a trail of home runs in this one. Awesome, Kim, off of Hunter Dozier, position player. Seventh home run season. Jake Cronenworth goes deep off of Chris with the K. Boobich, 13th home run season, and it was a Boobich trap as he wound up allowing one to Will Myers as well. Second home run season for Boobich. Gives up six runs, all of which were earned over the course of four innings, including a pair of bombs. Hunter Dozier gives up two runs at his inning of work as Dylan Coleman was able to provide a scoreless inning, but Amir Garrett back to having a 5-plus ERA gives up four runs while getting one out on the bullpen. Anthony Machevich, Jose Cuas, both provide a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Scoreless Brad Keller has been de- demoted to the bullpen. He gives up a run in a third of an inning. And Colin Snyder, scoreless inning, so that was a little bit of a calamity. You wind up seeing a calamity out there in Boston. Red Sox get it done against the Tampa Bay Rays by kind of 9-8 to eight as the Tampa Bay Rays... They wound up making things very interesting in the eighth inning as they were down five, but they played a four spot as they were able to do so thanks to a Jose Siri home run. Fourth home run season. That comes off of Ryan Brazier as Michael Walker, the starter, allows home runs to G-Man Choi ninth of the season, and Yandy Diaz is eighth for Waka. He gives up four runs over the course of six innings, including a pair of bombs. Ryan Brazier has a 6.47 area. He gave up four runs, including that homer to Siri. Well, not getting a single out, but Garrett Woodlock, Matt Burns, Matt Stram, all able to give you a scoreless setting for Boston. He goes 7 of 20 with men in scoring position with a pair of bombs. Frenchy Cordero, he gets his seventh home run season off of bulk guy Ryan Yarbrough, and then Jordan Armstrong, he gives one up to Xander Bogart's 11th home run of the season. For Yarbrough, he falls to 1-8, giving up five runs in three and a third innings coming out of the pen. JRT Chargois was the opener, scoreless setting for him, and then Jordan Armstrong gives up three runs in one and two-thirds innings. Jalen Beeks, a run given up in an inning, and Brooks Raley does not send things off the railies. He was able to deliver a scoreless setting. The New York Metropolitans barely get it done against the Colorado Rockies. 7-6 of final. They wind up getting it done in walk-off fashion thanks to a Pete Alonzo single as Chad Cool was not bad in this one, giving up three runs over the course of five innings. Far from great as he did wind up allowing a home run along the way going deep for the Mets. How about home run number two for their young third baseman, Brett Betty? He did wind up having the Mets go four of nine with men in scoring position as Lucas Gilbreth gives up a run in an inning. Carlos Aceves, 200 runs in an inning to Nelson LeMet. Gives one scoreless, but Daniel Bart winds up giving up that walk-off hit to Alonso. And with the Colorado Rockies, three of ten with men in scoring position. No home runs in this one, but they do wind up getting 11 hits. Chris Bassett, he ate seven and third innings, but gave up four runs along the way. Michael Givens, two runs surrender while getting two outs out of the bullpen. And then Edwin Diaz, he comes in and he doesn't get a save, but rather a win in this one. So, trumpets out there. DK Nation pick of the over in Reds versus Washington Nationals gets there. Seven to three the final. Mike Miner, one of his better starts of the year. He advances to 3-10 and 10 as the team has not been too successful and it starts going 3-12 and 12 in them, but gives up two runs over the course of seven innings. He did allow homer to Luke Voigt, 17th homer on the season, but by and large, that was solid. And all seven runs for the Nationals, given up by 
Cade Savali. This was a bad start. He wound up going four and a third innings, giving him those seven runs. No home runs, but not great. All right, some more Ramirez from there. Eats two and two-thirds innings. Squirrels, Steve Ciszek, Jake McGee. They both deliver a scoreless setting as for the Cincinnati Reds. Three of 11 with men in scoring position. That is going to fly for them. The Philadelphia Phillies pounded Bryce Wilson hard, and they wound up getting a 7-4 win over the Pittsburgh Pirates for Wilson. He winds up making it one inning, giving up four runs, three of which were earned. That's all that needs to be said. Zach Thompson, who was the starter for the team, he pretty much had to be the starter here because he went five innings, giving up two runs, one of which was earned. And then Juan Ramirez gives up a run in two innings. For the Pirates, they get an uncharacteristic three home runs as Rodolfo Castro gets his fourth home run season. Bailey Falter gives one up to Brian Reynolds, his 21st home run season. Then Connor Brogdon serves one up to Ben Gamble, sixth home run season for Brogdon. Gives up that home run while getting just one out of the bullpen. Bailey Falter as a starter gives up the other two bombs, three runs in total over the course of six innings as Jose Alvarado was able to give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. David Roberts and Brad Hand both provide a scoreless setting. The LA Angels shut out the Blue Jays and embarrass them. 12-0 the final, and Reed Detmers has actually been very, very good for this LA Angels team. He has now allowed two runs or fear in five out of his last six starts. Five and a third inning scoreless, Andrew wants a pair of outs out of the bullpen, and then Gerardo Reyes, Jesse Chavez, and Jose Marte of the Marte Parte all provide a scoreless setting, and how about Joe Adele setting fire to the rain? He gets a pair of home runs, fifth and sixth home runs of the season, both off of the bullpen. Andrew Velasquez gets home run number seven of the season, then you say Kikuchi serves one up to Mike Trout, 27th home run season. Kikuchi came in as a long guy, gave up two of those home runs, three runs in total over the course of three innings, so he sinks both as a starter and coming out of the bullpen. Mitch White, the starter, gives up seven runs over the course of five innings, including another one of those bombs, and Whit Merrifield, position player, wound up giving up two runs in an inning, and for the Blue Jays, they strained 12 men on base. That's what kind of a night it was for them. It was a very good night if you were a fan of runs in the Dodgers versus Marlins game. 10 to 6 a final with 0 to 0 going into the top of the sixth inning, and then things explode from there as Buki Betts wound up having himself one heck of a night from there as Betts winds up going 4 for 6 with 4 RBI, including 2 home runs, including 1 in the ninth inning to extend it. 28th and 29th home runs of the season, and he had a big hit in that 10th inning as well for the LA Dodgers. Not a bad start here from Tyler Anderson. Two runs, one of which was earned, given up in five and a third innings, considering the Marlins had scored four runs or fewer in 23 out of their last 24 games, so I guess that's a little bit relative. Evan Phillips, a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Alex Vizian out of the bullpen, but Phil Bickford lost two runs while getting just two outs out of the pen. Craig Kimbrell was able to go a scoreless setting. Broussard Gradrell allows an under run in the 10th, and David Price gets a win despite the fact that he allowed a home run in the ninth inning that tied it, as he did wind up having Peyton Butterick get a home run number two of the season. No Miami Marlin that is currently healthy has more than seven home runs this season, by the way. And for the Miami Marlins, this was a classic bullpen game. Tommy Nance, Uskara Brazobin both go two scoreless innings. From there, Brian Hoying winds up allowing one run in two innings. Stone Floro gives up two runs in an inning, including one of those home runs. Tanner Scott allows two runs while getting two outs, including one of those homers. Cole Solzer, Steve Nokert, they combine for four outs of the bullpen scoreless, but then in the 10th inning, Andrew Nardi gives up five runs, four of which were earned to extend his ERA to a 15.75. That is not too great right there. And then you did wind up seeing something else not too great. The Milwaukee Brewers pull Freddie Peralta with a no-hitter, and guess what? It backfired. 4-3. to three. The Chicago Cubs wind up getting the job done in extras as Peralta gives up one run, no hits in six scoreless innings. His pitch count was at 82. And then from there, Matt Bush winds up giving up two runs, one of which was earned over the course of an inning, including a bomb to Ian Happ. He winds up getting home run number 14 off of him, and then 
In the 10th inning, he delivers the dagger going deep off of Devin Williams for home run number 15 of the season. Justin Seal, he was as strong as Seal. He gives up a solo run over the course of five and a third inning, says it was Tyron Taylor getting his 13th home run season. Rowdy Tellez in the ninth inning tied things up, getting a home run off for Brandon Hughes. Home run number 27 of the season as Hughes winds up lying that home run in an inning of work. Just one run. Eric Yeoman. One and two-thirds inning scoreless, and then Mark Leiter Jr., Sean Newcomb, they combined for a scoreless inning, and then he did wind up having an underrun run given up in the 10th inning by Manuel Rodriguez. The Walker Texas Rangers wind up being able to win a high-scoring affair, a rare one against the Detroit Tigers by a count of 7-6, to six, as Tyler Alexander did not have the start he was looking for, giving up seven runs over the course of three innings, including three home runs, as you wind up having Nate Lowe get low for his 21st home run season, Ezekiel Dern. He winds up getting home run number four of the season, and it was the third home run of the campaign for Mark Mathis. As for the Texas Rangers, Glenn Otto, not a great start himself. Four runs surrendered over the course of five innings, but enough to get the win. Taylor Earn, two scoreless settings. Jonathan Hernandez, a scoreless setting, and then Jose Leclerc. Does wind up being able to get the save, giving up two runs in an inning, including a home run to Hunter Green, fifth home run of the season. Green does wind up coming up a double shy of the cyclist. He had a triple and a homer in this one. And for the Detroit Tigers, the bullpen did their part. Jason Foley, Jose Cicero both give you a scoreless inning, and then you wind up getting Garrett Hill to come in in super long relief with three scoreless innings, but not enough to be able to get the job done. And as I am recording this right now, the Guardians and the Seattle Mariners are going into the bottom of the 11th inning, tied by a count of 2-2. Two to two. Very good pitching performance here, Shane Bieber. Two runs, one of which was earned, surrendered over the course of seven innings, and Logan Gilbert on the other end, two runs surrendered in six and a third innings. We have seen from there Matt Brash be able to deliver a pair of outs out the bullpen. Paul Sewell, Diego Castillo, Matthew Festa, and Pat Murphy have delivered scoreless settings from there. Neither of these teams have had a lot of opportunities. The Mariners, 1 of 8 with men in scoring position. Guardians, as I am recording this right now, 1 of 15 with men in scoring position. So if this does wind up going to a 12th inning, could be even worse as James Karinczak, he gives a scoreless setting. Trevor Steven and Nick Sandlin wind up piecemealing together two scoreless settings. That is going on as I record this. I need to have this up at midnight Pacific, so not going to be able to give you a final there. But something that I can give you is what we're seeing in baseball right now is over the last 30 days, we haven't seen quite a few unders. 197 unders to 181 overs. This one will probably make it 198 unders. So right around 52 or so percent of games have been going under the total in this time span. Favorites have been solid. 252 and 152 straight up. So 62.5% of games going to favorites and home favorites. 153 and 85 straight up out of these home favorites. All but 39 have been able to cover the run line. And overall for the season, favorites hitting at 60%, 1,119 and 747. Meanwhile, home favorites, they're a little bit above that, 706 and 464. But among those 706 home favorites hit, 216 have failed to cover the run line. Meanwhile, unders hitting at about 51.5% for the season. 915 unders to 860 overs. So that's what we're seeing right now in Major League Baseball, and that's what we wound up getting on Friday. Coming up next, we talk to Chris Chian. He does a great job over there at the Monumental Sports Network with the show by the book. We're going to be taking a look at some of the teams that he's starting to feel a little bit more bullish slash bearish on in the postseason picture, and look at Saturday's games right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Craig Peterson, now a part of the Decent Family Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field. 
Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast, and great to be joined by our man, Christian. He does a great job 
over there at Monumental Sports Network. He hosts the show by the book, which you're able to catch every Monday through Friday. He does a great job on that front, and he's a man that is out there in Washington, D.C. I know that he's been following these playoff races very, very closely and has been doing a great job getting set for the upcoming football season with his co-host Meg McDonald as well. So to be able to follow Chris on Twitter, you're able to do so at the Big Cheese Show. That is C-H-E-E on Cheese Show. And Chris, always great to have you aboard. Thank you. Greg, thank you so much for having me. Yes, we are getting into football season here, but for me, I still love the daily grind of baseball. Love the day games we've been having still and, you know, being in the sports book and feeling the energy. The people are loving betting on baseball, and so am I. Yep, and I think that it is very important that even though football is starting week zero in terms of college football, which I still think is the most ridiculous name ever for an opening week. That's a discussion for another podcast on another day. But with that said, even though week zero in college football is starting up, the NFL season is right around the corner. I always am a believer that if you suck this much work into handicapping all these baseball teams, following it day in and day out, this is not the time to abandon ship because I do think that with regards to handicapping football, it is structured with so many of the games being on Saturday and Sunday, you get your stray Thursday games that wind up popping up, obviously. But I do think that you're able to maneuver both baseball and football because if you've been handicapping baseball throughout the season, it's not like you need to wind up like cramming or anything like that. This is not one of these circumstances where you need to like wind up having to do like a whole bunch of like preseason research or anything like that. A lot of the work has already been done when you wind up getting in season. It's all about minor tweaks. And I do think that it's really important that if you stuck this much work into handicapping baseball thus far, don't wind up bailing out when the going is getting good. Yeah, could not agree more. And now we've got sample sizes here, right? Like early season, I think about a guy like Logan Gilbert, who absolutely came out firing out the gate. We were talking about him being AL Cy Young. Hit some road bumps here, but now we're seeing him round into form a little bit. So we see bigger bodies of work, and I think that allows us to be Better baseball betters, but there are some teams that I've had a tough time figuring out. I think the last time you and I spoke, Greg, I was saying that the Tampa Bay Rays did not have, in my opinion, the talent, uh, just given how many injuries they've had to deal with to make a run and look at what they've been doing, just rattling off series wins here. And uh, they're going to be getting some pieces back, too. So they're formidable once again. Yep, it has been interesting to take a look at really all of those AL East teams. And I did take a look at this series in terms of the Rays versus the Boston Red Sox. And I think that if the Red Sox don't wind up winning the series, they really have to wind up having their hopes of the playoffs put pretty much on life support. And I mean, if they aren't already, because with the Boston Red Sox, it's amazing to think that they're still semi in the playoff picture. I do think that the Baltimore Orioles as well, they're going to need a little bit of a run. But I take a look at the Red Sox. It just feels like ever since the All-Star break, everything has unraveled for this team. And now they have to trot out their Rich Hill. And what I'm seeing is a relative pick game. Rays are between minus 110 and minus 115 as we take a look at it. But with Boston, other than that random one-game series that they had with the Orioles, they've won one series against an AL East team all season long. And I just don't think that there's any reason to be backing the ball, the Boston Red Sox at pick prices right now against a team like the Tampa Bay Rays. 
Yeah, I mean, that line surprises me. What am I missing here? Jeffrey Springs. I know he was rough there for a couple years when he was with the Rangers and then in Boston in 2020. But look, I mean, 30 years old now, or he will be in September. He was great in relief to start the year. Now he's just been rattling off quality starts. Uh, six foot three left hander here. And, you know, I was reading an article, JP Fire Eyes, and talking about how he's got the bulldog mentality, uh, mentality of a relief pitcher because he's trying to get that third out. And, you know, then the bullpen here, too. Guy like Jason Adam making less than a million dollars. You know, he probably priced himself out of Tampa. He'll get signed somewhere else next year. You know, they've got the top five ERA in the American League as far as bullpen goes. Pete Fairbanks is back. I mean, Chargois. And the last time Rich Hill faced the Rays was back in April. I know he was good. No earned runs. But that was a long time ago. And he's, you know, still not allowing a whole lot of hard contact. But his home run per nine been pretty tough. Uh, Rays don't have a plethora of bats. But they do have Harold Ramirez. He seems kind of automatic to, to be one for four. Or, you know, two for four, something like that. Um, Yandy Diaz, we just saw him Friday, streaky, but homering over the monster. Randy Arozarena has been uh, really strong for this team, too. Wander Franco coming back. So, been high on the Rays, and I would certainly take a look at them on Saturday. Yep, I agree with you. I felt like this line should have been closer to the Rays being right around about a minus 135 favorite. So, I'm seeing quite a bit of value on them, as well as we do have Chris Sheehan. Does a great job over there at Monumental Sports Network, joining me on the podcast. And we don't have numbers as we are recording this, but those that sell Celebrate Kenry Joyce as Dallas Keuchel Day has returned. He is going to be making a start for the Texas Rangers, a third separate team that he's made a start for since May, and it's going to be going up against the Detroit Tigers. Now, the Detroit Tigers actually did wind up facing Keuchel while he was with the Arizona Diamondbacks, and they actually got to a pretty good in that start. I'm not sure how you wind up handicapping this one, but I honestly think with Eduardo Rodriguez going for the Tigers, and I can't believe I'm saying this, this should be a relative pick game here, which I actually do think is a pretty big insult to Dallas Keuchel, considering making the Tigers a pick on the road against darn near anyone has been something that I've been unwilling to do all season long. But this is a spot in which I'm hoping that they wind up saying a nice like eight, eight and a half total, because I'd be taking a look at an over at anything really below a nine. Yeah, Greg, but you know, I'm a loyal listener of yours and we both know this Detroit Tigers offense isn't oh, exactly one that we love to back in terms of overs. They have the power you would think with guys like Javier Baez. We know he strikes out and takes a lot of bad pitches, but uh, if he connects on one here, Dallas Keuchel is the guy to face. Jimer Candelario is somebody too. Like they have names that I always have felt like have potential, but you would be looking for the runs on the other side with the Rangers here. Marcus Simeon really is rounded into form here. Adelise Garcia is somebody. Jonah Heim, is he like a top 10 catcher at this point? So I see the over, but you know, maybe I hearken back to the days of Dallas Keuchel of old that, you know, generated ground balls and was actually effective. And I and Eduardo Rodriguez too. I mean, I've heard you talk about too, and I agree. He was an unlucky pitcher last year. So like, he's a tough one to handicap against at times. I would go lean, probably lean over, but I'm not sure I'd have a play on this game. I like Thompson at the bottom of that Texas Rangers lineup too. He's been getting a lot of stolen bases. If he can get on and Simeon and Seager drive him in, I think the Rangers uh, can win this one, even with Keiko on the mound. Great name for a baseball player, by the way, Bubba Thompson. That just sounds like Americana right there, and he has been able to do a solid job. And when it comes to these sorts of ordeals, because we've got a few of these games on the board between the Detroit Tigers and the Texas Rangers, I mentioned how bad Dallas Keiko has been, but we've got quite a few games that they involve really bad offenses, but they involve really bad pitchers, like Reds versus the Washington Nationals yesterday. Prime example of that. 
Nationals versus the Reds again today with Luis Sessa coming out of the bullpen to make a start against Paulo Espino. Another example of this. How do you wind up playing some of these games? Because I feel like bookmakers almost don't know what to do because Sessa and Paulo Espino are not guys that you necessarily want to back as starting pitchers. But at the same time, the Reds offense is gutted since the trade deadline. The Washington Nationals, they and the Pittsburgh Pirates are the worst two teams in terms of runs per game at home in the National League. Very tricky spots. Yeah, I would never probably touch anything as far as an under goes when Paulo Espino is pitching, covering this Nationals team for WTOP. I remember a certain night, July of 2021, Nats were losing like 18 to 4 to San Diego. Oh. And it was like Paulo Espino was the one serving up the grand slams. I mean, he admits himself he doesn't really throw with any sort of heat. He's got to try to be finesse here. And then I'm not back in Luis. Sessa last Sunday, you know, this Reds offense at times, you watch guys like Jake Fraley at the top of that lineup, you know, you think to yourself, maybe they can bring it, Aquino batting sixth, but nah, it's not really a spot you want to be back in Luis Sessa, who I know he was talking about in the locker room about, oh yeah, I'm excited for the opportunity, you know, be the opener, or maybe they'll let me stretch out here, but there's a reason why he got let go of the Yankees, you know, he's not all that great. So I try, Greg, I guess in my betting process personally to try and, you know, target good pitching because bad pitching is unreliable but sometimes with veteran pitchers I would remember it with Jordan Zimmerman of the Tigers he would like pull these seven innings of like four hit ball just because he knew how to pitch every once in a while so even Dallas Cowboy can pull those out sometimes I, I don't know maybe but I try to prefer like you know like a Merrill Kelly for example on this Saturday slate he's not allowing home runs at all he's done a solid job here consistently so I'd rather like take a look at the you know Diamondbacks on a money line situation. Yep, and I don't blame you there. As we're doing this, we don't have a money line on this Arizona Diamondbacks versus Chicago White Sox game because White Sox have yet to settle in on a starter. From what I'm hearing, it's most likely going to be Davis Martin, but we don't have that confirmed yet. It's joining me on the podcast. We do have Chris Sheehan, and I'm right there with you. If I'm able to get any sort of plus money at all on the Arizona Diamondbacks, I'd be willing to fire in on them because with the Arizona Diamondbacks, they're one of those teams that yeah, they're not going to make the playoffs. No doubt it has not went their way, but there are certain bad teams that you can tell that they've just mailed it in. The Pittsburgh Pirates yesterday throwing out their Bryce Wilson and him getting completely tattooed. I mean, this team is just done. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Arizona Diamondbacks. They're still giving you a good, honest effort. They still have good ca- pitching, whatever. Merrill Kelly, along with even, for lack of a better term, Zach Davies has been out there, coupled with Zach Allen. They actually give you a little bit of a shot to be able to cash these plus money tickets, unlike a team like I mentioned with the Pirates, when the Reds and the Nationals aren't playing against each other, it's been relatively rough for them. And I do think that it is important to identify some of those teams that aren't going to make the playoffs that are still giving you a good effort, like the Arizona Diamondbacks, because we remember with the Tigers last year, certainly not this year, but they were able to make you a lot of money towards the second half of the season because you're getting plus prices on them, and they're still putting out there a good product. And I feel like the Diamondbacks are currently that team. Yeah, and again, Greg, as a loyal listener to your show, we, you talk about the Chicago White Sox, and I was oh. going through this lineup. I mean, there are a bunch of disappointments. I understand guys like Andrew Vaughn step up, Gavin Sheets homering, leading off against the Orioles the other day, but like I was listening to their broadcast the other day, and you know, Luis Robert, he swung at the most pitches in all of baseball. 62% of the pitches he's seen, he swings at. Like, what kind of instruction is he getting there? I mean, you have Yoan Moncada. Where is he gone? He's hitting below 200. 
A.J. Pollock, 236 average. I mean, I guess he was never known as like a massive average guy, but you want to see him do it better than that. And then you have like, I watched Elvis Andrews against Spencer Watkins the other day, and it's just like, I loved watching Elvis Andrews and Adrian Beltre on the left side of that infield with the Rangers. But at this point, what are we doing here? The White Sox, some nights you're like, all right, like Lucas Giolito can put together performances. They've still got Dylan Seas, who we know is going to be in the conversation for AL Cy Young. But like overall, no, it's not a team I'm looking at back on on a nightly basis. Yep, I am right there with you as you're me on the podcast. We do have Chris Sheehan. And then I need to get your thoughts on this one because we've got a dominant pitcher going up against a dominant team. The LA Dodgers are going to be throwing out their Dustin May. Sandy Alcantara goes for the Miami Marlins. Marlins are between about a plus 160 to a plus 160 underdog at home. And the total on this game is seven. I wound up going down back in the under last time. Sandy wound up going against the Dodgers. But I take a look at how pitcher friendly it is out there in Miami. Dustin May, if you took a look at his rehab, he was getting like 12 to 13 strikeouts per nine innings, five scoreless against the Miami Marlins the last time he wound up facing them. And for the Marlins, I can't take anything other than unders until they just show any sort of sign of life. They don't have a single guy that has given them at least eight home runs this season that is currently not on the injured list. I'm not sure how you wind up looking at this one. And personally, I'll be taking a look at the Miami Marlins at a plus price, but it's just become a case of which with the Miami Marlins, as long as they're putting up totals of a seven or higher because they just have so many games in which they score three runs or fear. And the pitching's actually been okay that it's just under until further notice with me. Bro, you and I are on the same page now. I was mowing the lawn listening to Pedro Martinez on MLB Network now. I mean, we all know how great Sandy O'Contra's been, but he was just discussing how he both has ace and horse in him in that he doesn't want to ever give up the ball. This is a guy every fifth day they talk about. This is a win day for a team. And, you know, going up against the Dodgers, that's certainly going to be tough. But he's one of the best in the game. But you've got May on the other side there. He already played the Marlins, dominated him. One hit allowed, two walks, five innings, 41% whiff rate. And then you have this Marlins team. You pointed it out how abysmal they've been offensively. In the month of August, lowest OPP in the NL. Only 46 runs driven in coming into Friday. The team with the second least, the Tigers, had 66. So they're 20 RBI off the second-place team. Only 15 homers. That's the least in the NL. It would be an under spot for me, no doubt about it. They strike out a good amount against right-handed pitching. It would be under here. And, you know, without Contra on the mound, I would maybe take a look at a first five with the Marlins here in this spot, perhaps, because I've lost money this year. I'm talking about an under with the Dodgers now, but, like, we know how explosive this offense can be top to bottom with some great bats there. Even Max Muncy starting to pick it up here. So it's tough to go unders with these, but when it's all Contra, I'm willing to do it in this Marlins-Dodgers game. Yep, I'm right there with you with the LA Dodgers. It is a little bit of a dangerous game going under with them, but at the very least, you know in the total that if it winds up going over, it's probably because the LA Dodgers wind up scoring about three-fourths of the runs because the Miami Marlins, they are pretty much money in the bank to give you three runs or fewer at this point. If they wind up giving you anything more, check to see what wound up happening because it is a massive outlier. And Chris, when you just take a look at the board for Saturday, anything else that's standing out for you? We did wind up mentioning a few marquee games, and there's a game or two that's currently off the board, but anything really catching your eye? Orioles, Astros, Dean Kramer, he's doing a pretty good job of limiting hard contact. He can be a bit of a fly ball pitcher, but keeping the ball in the ballpark, yeah, it's hard contact. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty high, but like, and it is an Astros team with some bats, but he doesn't walk a ton of guys. And we've got two strong bullpens as far as their ERA is concerned, top 
top three lowest in the American League. Yankees in that mix as well. And then you got Arcidi on the other side, 12 and four in the year. Both these offenses, though, have been driving in the baseball in the month of August. Coming into Friday, Astros fourth most runs driven in, Orioles sixth, but. I still think I Mancini's been swinging a good bat here. I was leaning under, and now I might be talking myself out of it here. How about this under? Angels, Blue Jays under perhaps here as we do have Alec Manoa, third lowest hard contact percentage out of 120 pitchers, thrown at least 80 innings as a starter. Otani's got the ninth lowest, second lowest XFIP, second highest K per nine, seeing a seven and a half on that. And then you've got the... Angels fourth lowest OBP versus right-handed pitching there. Blue Jays, they hit right-handed pitching so good. Chapman, Teoscar, Vlad Guerrero. So, yeah, I would like the Blue Jays in that spot with an under here. Even Kirk and Bichette hitting right-handed pitching as well here too. But, you know, the Angels' bats Friday night got off to a good start. Granted, Mitch White wasn't all that great, but yeah, I think I'd like the Blue Jays in this spot and the under in some capacity. Yeah, for the Angels going into that Friday game, they were averaging right around 3.1 to 3.2 runs per game since the beginning of the month of June. To your point, they put up a touchdown within the first four innings. Wow. I don't think that that sort of lightning is going to be striking twice, especially against Alec Minow, who's been struggling a little bit more recently, but I would have my faith in him being able to keep down an LA Angels team that if you look at their five through nine, it's just... One of those cases where you wonder how any of those guys are professional baseball hitters. It is quite hilarious, but you never have to question how professional this man is because, Chris, you're one of the best in the business. You do great work over there at the Monumental Sports Network. I know you're doing quite a bit in terms of football, not just handicapping it, but I know you do a little bit of high school football coaching as well. So you're a man that you are very busy doing a great job on so many fronts. I'll let the good people at home know how they're able to follow you on social media and everything they've got going on in general. All right. At the Big Cheese Show on Twitter, coaching high school football, we've got our show officially coming back on Monday. We took a couple of weeks off here, summer break, but we are firing for all the sports. But I might be taking a few days off here, Greg, as my baby is uh, due imminently in the next few days here. So we're going to see how that works out. I'm kind of just rolling with it for now. You know, in between getting ready for being a father, grinding baseball and, uh, you know, mowing the lawn, listening to your show, bro. And Chris... He is the textbook definition of a someone that does have a lot of irons in the fire right now, a expecting father, a tremendous handicapper, a man that coaches high school football. He checks all the boxes. This is a man that just in life in general is right now doing it all. And every single time he comes on this podcast, does an absolutely amazing job. We love hard workers on this podcast. Chris, the textbook definition of that. A big thanks to Chris Sheehan for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show. Now part of the Visa Family Podcast coming up next. It is that time of podcast. They give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we touch them all. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. 
he says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. 
He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And it's always a pleasure to get Chris Chian on the show. He does amazing work over there at the Monumental Sports Network. Doing his shows where the Washington Wizards wind up playing their basketball games. I believe that is Capital One Arena. Does amazing work over there at the show by the book Monday through Friday. And always great to be able to get one of our good friends from D.C. on the show. Big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. 
They give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we touch them all. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at unit underscore 81. We're going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we wind up going with the National League games first, then the American League games, any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. So without further ado, let's dive into this first game as we've got 901-902 on board as it is the Pittsburgh Pirates on the road facing off against the Philadelphia. Phillies. Kyle Gibson is going to be going for the Phillies, and Tyler Beatty is on the bump for the Buckos. So on this game is 9, the under is minus 115, the over is minus 105, and between minus 245 and minus 260 is a money line on the Phillies. We'll just give you the run line right now if you're looking to lay a run in F. Minus 135, plus 220 is your price on the Pittsburgh Pirates. I was willing to lay up to a minus 144 on the run line. Set the money line right around at 260 myself. I'm going to look to play to be able to lay a run and half rather than lay the big giant minus 260 in this instance because I do think that the Philadelphia Phillies, especially with having Bryce Harper back in the fold, should be able to do some very good damage against our good friend Mr. Tyler Beatty and his last start he got completely lit up against the Cincinnati Reds. Beatty out of the bullpen has actually been good. Bullpen Tyler Beatty has a sub-4 ERA and has been able to do a very solid job I'll be able to hold down the fort. Starter Tyler Beatty has not been good at all as he has made starts in each out of his last four appearances. In that time span, he has allowed eight runs, which doesn't sound the world's greatest to tell you. Factor in the fact that he wound up going 12 innings in those starts. So he's got an ERA north of six currently as a starter, someone that does not wind up being able to deliver a whole heck of a lot of swing and misses. Thus far this season, he's been getting right around five and a half strikeouts per nine innings. And Kyle Gibson, not necessarily a strikeout artist himself, he's been getting right around seven and a half punch outs per nine innings. But with Kyle Gibson, he is coming off of a couple better starts. He did wind up giving up four runs at his last start against the Mets, but only two of which was earned. He was hurt a little bit by his fielding in that one. And you take a look at Mr. Gibson, and he has given up three earned runs or fewer, and now seven out of his last eight starts. So things have been shaping up for him a little bit. He's been a tad bit better at home rather than on the road. 403 home ERA compared to a 470 ERA on the road. His home runs per nine rate. That over is in the neighborhood of 1.2. That's a little bit of an issue, except for when you face up against the Pittsburgh Pirates, because right now they've got one guy that's able to go deep for them. That'd be Brian Reynolds. He's done a solid job. He's got 20 home runs. He, Cabrian A's, Michael Chavis, Ben Gamble, all in between about a 245 to a 255 and Kevin Newman. Table setter sitting at 270. So, first couple batters, not too bad in this lineup. And Jason DeLay, when he's been at the catcher spot, he's been able to right around 250 himself. But guys like Gregory Allen, Onyo Cruz, Josh Van Meter, Yoshi Satsugo, you're able to go down the line of guys hitting a 215 or lower. And then for the Phillies, having Kyle Schwarber with his 34 home runs, coupled with Harper being back the full, that is big. JGB Mito since really the beginning of the month of July has been the best hitting catcher in baseball. Nick Cassianos has been able to hit 265. Gene Segura's back. He's able to move the line. Hasn't showed a lot of power, but he and Alec Bohm in between about a 285 to a 295. Bryson Stott over the last three days, he's been hitting north of a 275. And for the Phillies, they're dealing with some bullpen ailments as currently Sir Anthony Dominguez and Corey Canable are out of the full, but they still have right hand. They've still been able to get some relatively solid innings out of David Robertson as well. So still a good bullpen. Meanwhile, for the Pittsburgh Pirates, J.C. Young is a long guy. He's been able to do a solid job and got to figure that with the lack of length that we have seen BD pitch. He's went five innings or fewer in every appearance this season. That they are going to be on call. Someone like a Manny Benuelos is able to give you multiple innings. He's got north of a four ERA. Eric Stout has not necessarily been overly stout with north of a five ERA himself. So I do think that 
we've got a little bit of a butt-kicking here. I do think that the Phillies going to be able to get to the Pirates in this spot. Want to lay up to a minus 144 on this run line with the Philadelphia Phillies. So I'm going to be backing the Phillies on that run line set by totally to 9.3. So looking at the 9 over as well. We go to my DK Nation pick. 903-904 on the bang board. The LA Dodgers. They throw the free to against the Miami Marlins. Says Cindy Alcantara is going to be going for the fish. And Dustin May is on the bump for the Dodgers. The total on this game is 7. Over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 105 with the fish. Same between plus 160 and plus 167. Meanwhile, in between minus 180 and minus 190 is your price on the Dodgers. And I got burnt by this by making it the DK Nation pick last week. And I am a schmuck enough to be able to go back to it. We're going to be riding the under in this spot. Sandy Alcantara in his last start against the LA Dodgers. It was his worst start of the season. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. But I do think that he's going to be able to bounce back. Sandy Alcantara, still the front runner for National League Cy Young. He in that last start just wound up having every ball that wound up going in play go against him. He gives up six runs in three and two-thirds innings. Prior to that, he had went at least six innings in all but one of his previous 17 starts. He had allowed two earned runs or fewer in 15 out of his last 18 starts as well. I do think that Sandy is going to be able to bounce back, especially with being at home, where he's got a buck 60-70 area. He's allowed five home runs in 97 innings. His hits per nine rate, right around about a six. He has a lot of opponents at just a buck 89 off of him. His strikeout numbers on SC Supreme. He's getting a little bit over seven strikeouts per nine innings, but Dustin May. If you take a look at what he wound up doing in the minor leagues, his strikeouts per nine rate, those were well north of 12 when he was doing his rehab. He got nine punch outs in five scoreless innings against the Miami Marlins. And in the start that he had against the Fish, that was a 7 0 game, which it was actually 7 0 in like the bottom of the third inning, and the game wound up dying from there. The LA Dodgers are going to be able to get runs in this spot. No fans are butts about it, but. I think that they can be held to three runs. You do have Mookie Betts at the top of the fold. He's been able to give this team 27 plus homers. Just amazing at the leadoff spot. And then Will Smith, Freddie Freeman, Trey Turner throwing their Max Muncy, Cody Bellinger, all these guys between 16 and 18 home runs. And do not sleep on Trace Thompson. What he has been able to do has been more than just being Clay's brother. He's actually been able to hit for right around at 295 with six home runs and 119 at bats with the Dodgers this season. He's actually been very good, unlike guys like Bellinger, I mentioned before, Max Muncy, Austin Barnes, hitting a 225 or lower for the Miami Marlins. They literally don't have a healthy bat that's it for more than seven home runs this season. I wish I could put it any other way, but, I mean, there's no other way of putting it. Gary Cooper is back full. He's hitting right around 270. John Birdie, he's hitting at 260 as well. But going into yesterday's game, the Miami Marlins had scored three runs or fewer in 22 out of their last 24 games, four runs or fewer in 23 of them. This is just a deplorable offense. Guys like... Peyton Butterick, J.J. Blady. These are guys that just should not be seeing at-bats. And for the Miami Marlins, the bullpen is not great, but you've got some okay arms because I do think that San Diego's going to get back to being able to go seven-plus innings. You're going to see guys like Stephen O'Curd, who's got a sub-three ERA be out there doing floral. Richard Blyer, these guys have been relatively okay. And for the L.A. Dodgers, you've got Caleb Ferguson along with Evan Phillips, both posting up a sub-two ERA. You've seen David Price really become a good part of the bullpen. He and Alex Vesia posting up a sub-three. ERA. I do think that we're in for a low-scoring slobber knocker, Dustin May. He is going to be a big-time weapon for this LA Dodgers team moving forward. I do think that he should be a favorite, but being able to get north of plus 150 here on the Marlins at home, that's calling my name. So I'm going to be taking a look at the plus price with the Marlins seated at least a plus 148 officially. And for the DK Nation write-up, we're going to be looking at the under semi-total at a 6.3. 905-906 on the betting board. It is the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on the Cincinnati and They're under the road. They're facing off against the Washington Nationals. Says Paulo Espino is going to be going for the Nets and Luis Sessa is on the bump 
for the Reds. Toronto's game is 8.5. The under is minus 115, and the over is minus 105. Anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125 is your price on the Nats end. We are finding the Cincinnati Reds anywhere between plus 105 and plus 110. And when he comes to Espino, I was willing to go up to a minus 136 on him. Now, for Paulo Espino, his ERA as a starter has went north of 5. His ERA out of the bullpen was actually right around at 2-2. He was doing a solid job in long relief ever since he has been stretched out as a starter. Deep ball has certainly been given up as, as a starter. He gives up more than two home runs per nine innings. You take a look at his last five starts. 646 ERA, giving up five bombs over the course of 23 and two-thirds innings. Opponents are a 300 off of him. Not a swing and miss guy by any stretch of the imagination. Getting right around 6.8 straight cuts per nine innings. But for the Cincinnati Reds, Luis Sessa, he's not going to be able to deliver any length whatsoever. This is going to be his second start of the season. First start, he gave up two solo home runs over the course of two innings against the Philadelphia Phillies. And... I mean, I think they could probably go three here, but out of necessity, the Reds are pretty much using this as a bullpen game, and the Cincinnati Reds have the worst bullpen in terms of ERA in the big leagues. That's not great. Buck Farmer has been able to drop his ERA below five, but Ian Gabo, Joel Kuno, Revierson, Martin, Art Warren, Hunter Strickland, you're able to go down the line of guys that are untrustworthy. Ancient Ross Detweiler and his 365 ERA is right now the only guy other than Alexis Diaz that has a sub-4 ERA in that pen. It is not good. Now, with the Reds, they do have a little bit of offense as Kyle Farmer has been able to a little bit above a 260 for the team. Nick Senzel, Jonathan India, both of these guys overall for the season, hanging at 245, but since early season injuries, we have seen our good friend India be able to pick it up. Jake Fraley has been able to reach base a little bit. The firepower in terms of home runs, a little bit more gone because Brandon Drury's out of the fold. You've been dealing with injuries with Joey Votto, but you know what? There are a couple pieces still hitting relatively solid for the team. And for the Washington Nationals, there are a few guys that are able to move the line for the team as well. Lane Thomas has been able to deliver a double-digit amount of homers as he, Kibeta Weiss, Nelson Cruz, are all in the neighborhood about a 235 to a 245. Joey Manessis, a journeyman that spent a lot of time in the minor leagues. He's actually been hitting above a 300. Lewis Garcia has been able to move the line. Luke Voigt has a double-digit amount of homers, but for the Washington Nationals, they themselves have a bottom 10 bullpen in terms of ERA. You've got veterans like Kyle Finnegan, Steve Ciszek. These guys are posting north of a 3-5 ERA. Jake McGee has just been an advert disaster this season, north of a 6 ERA. They're kicking the tires on him. Victor Arano has not been very good, and when it comes to just both of these starters, no faith in them whatsoever. I do recognize that both of these offenses are relatively grody, and the Nationals, they and the Pittsburgh Pirates, fewest runs per game at home this season, but I'm willing to take a shot on the over with the pitching in this one. I do think that Espino going to be able to certainly deliver a little bit more length than Sessa, and with the Reds backing up Sessa with the dead last bullpen in the big leagues, I'm willing to lay up to a minus 136 with the Nats. So looking Nats and looking over as we go 907-908 on the bank where the Colorado Rockies at third face off against the New York Mets. Hey, my long-lost brother, David Peterson, is going to be going for the Mets, and Kyle Freeland is going to be on the bump for the Rockies, as we've seen all series long. Rockies a pretty sized underdog in this spot. You're going to be getting them in between plus 205 and plus 215, anywhere between minus 235 and minus 245. Your price on the Metropolitans in between 7.5 and 8 is your total. With the 7.5, the over is minus 120, and the under is even on the 8 flip. If the under is minus 120, and the over is even, I do wind up saying my total at an 8.1. I'm going to be taking a look at the over, and this becomes a question of what is the run line of the Mets I was willing to lay up to pretty much a minus 125 in the spot. And right now, finding it at a minus 110, and I'm willing to trust in the good old team of Peterson. Mr. David Peterson has been able to do a good job with a little bit over 10 strikeouts per nine innings. If you do 
have a fear with Peterson. It is the fact that he has been giving up some walks this season, right around four walks per nine innings. Needs to lock in a little bit on the command, but I do see very good stuff from him. Last start did not wind up going his way against the Philadelphia Phillies, but by and large, you take a look at what he's been able to do. He's got a 344 ERA. It's actually been a little bit worse at home rather than on the road. 425 ERA. to a 285 ERA on the road, but he's been able to do a solid job keeping the ball in the yard, giving up right around one home run per nine innings. Opponents are about a 230 off of him, and for Freeland, he's actually been able to do a little bit of a better job on the road rather than at home. You may recall in that 2018 season, he was like the best first five pitcher at home we had really ever seen, but that has reversed itself. 6-10 home ERA compared to a 362 ERA on the road, and a big reason why. He's given up 10 home runs over the course of 72 and a third innings at home, 64 and two-thirds innings on the road, given up just six home runs, and his opponent's batting average has fallen by right around 60 points when he is on the road. The problem is the bullpen that is backing him up is just not good on the road. You've got a lot of guys like a Lucas Gilbreth, in which his ERA balloons by nearly three points when he is on the road versus at home. Carlos Aceves has actually been decent for this team. He's got a 3.83 ERA overall for the season, but in his last 12 appearances, he's got a 0.79 ERA, so a little bit of credit where credit is due, but he's another guy in which the ERA is worse on the road rather than at home. Daniel Bart, he winds up having his ERA raised by about two points on the road rather than at home over the last two seasons. So for the Colorado Rockies, they just like power whenever they are on the road as well. This is a bunch that they get right around 0.65 home runs per game when they are on the road compared to more like 1.15 home runs per game when they're at home. Something like C.J. Crone, 24 home runs. All but seven of them have wanted coming at home. Brendan Rodgers, 11 home runs. Ten of them have wanted coming at home. You've got a team that, in general, hits about 40 points better when they're at home rather than on the road. Someone like a Randall Gritchick has below the Mendoza line of 200 batting average when he is on the road at home. That line's going to close to a 300. So, very important to note that. And then you do have for the New York Mets a bunch that has been able to do a great job of being able to move the line all season long. It's Francisco Lindor, Pete Alonso, Mark Canna. All these guys have been able to hit about a 272, 280, and then you're able to throw in their Sterling Marte of the Marte Parte. He's been able to hit more like a 290. Alonso, north of 30 home runs, 100 plus RBI ever since he's come over. Daniel Fogelback has been able to hit about a 275 for this bunch as well. And then Taylor Naquin has been able to give the team a little bit of a shot in the arm as well, hitting about a 250 with a few home runs ever since he's come over with the Mets as well. And for the Mets, the important thing for the team is being able to build a bridge to Edwin Diaz and Seth Lugo posting up a sub 25 ERA. Since the All-Star break, that has been able to help out with that. Tommy Hunter has been nice out there in the bullpen with right around a 250 ERA. So we do have quite a few guys for the Mets that are starting to be able to fortify this bullpen, including Adam Adovino. And I do think that with the Colorado Rockies, it is going to be a case in which you're going to have a tough time being able to get to David Peterson. And I do think that the Mets are really going to be able to do a solid job getting into this bullpen. As a result, I'm willing to trust in the Mets on the run line. Did wind up saying Matola and an 8.1 as well. I do fear that Peterson might knock himself out a little bit early due to the walks. But I still think that the Mets should be able to get to Freeland and company. Going to be looking at the over and the Mets run line. 909-910 on the Benny board. It is the Chicago Cubs on the road facing off against the Milwaukee Brewers. As Brandon Woodruff is going to be going for the crew. And Drew Smiley hopes to be smiling after this one for the Cubs. As the Cubs underdogs, anywhere between plus 160 and plus 170. Anywhere between minus 180 and minus 190 is your price on the Milwaukee Brewers. 7.5 is your total over and under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. And if you're looking at the Brewers run line, which is something I'm looking at, you're able to find laying a run and half the Brewers at a plus 120. And this is a circumstance where I'm going to be taking a look at that run line. I was willing to lay up to a minus 222 on the money line with the Brewers, but I was willing to lay a price on the run line as 
well. And being able to get that plus money that does wind up appealing to me, be able to reduce that number that I need to lay instead, turning it into plus money. And when it comes to Brandon Woodruff, he has been incredible since coming off the injured list, giving up three runs or fewer in all but one of his starts. And he's going up against a Cubs lineup that it's not necessarily full of a bunch of mashers. You do have two guys in Will Skidras along with Patrick Wisdom that have been able to supply 20-plus home runs this season. Wisdom has been a little bit in and out of the fold end for Contreras, along with Nick Madrigal, C.A. Suzuki, Christopher Morrell, a bunch of guys sitting between about a 248 and a 258, and then you've had Ian Apt do a very solid job moving the line with right around a 350 on base in the corner. He's been able to do a solid job as well, but guys like Zach McKinstry and company, they've been having a little bit of a tough time. They're also looking to kick the tires on Fran Mill Reyes, who was with the Guardians earlier this season. For the Brewers, they don't necessarily have that one guy that does a consistent job of being able to move the line. Guys like Mike Brasso, Christian Yelich, Hunter Renfro, Kesson Hira, Andrew McCutcheon, in between about a 242 to a 258 or so, but they don't really have that headliner to be able to move the line, but they've got a trio of guys with at least 23 home runs this season. William Adamas, Roddy Tellis, along with Hunter Renfro, and then Andrew McCutcheon, Luis Arias, Kesson Hira. These guys have between 13 and 14 home runs, and for Hira, he's getting a home run every about 12 or so at-bats. That has been very impressive for this Brewers team, so not a lot of contact, whole lot of power, and for the Milwaukee Brewers, they do wind up getting rid of Josh Hader at the trade deadline, but by the day, that's looking better and better as Brad Boxberger is provided a sub-3 ERA. Devin Williams going into Friday had allowed two earned runs over the course of his last 39 appearances. Taylor Rogers still a work in progress, and O.B. Milner since the All-Star break. It's been a little bit lost, but... For the Cubs bullpen, it's been a case in which they've lost a lot of pieces at the deadline and they have not been able to recover. Rowan Wick has been able to do a little bit of a better job for this team, posting up a sub-3 ERA ever since the All-Star break. Anderson Espinosa has not necessarily been too terrible, but when you're trusting in guys like Eric Uelman in big innings, that's not necessarily terrific. Michael Rucker has a 4 ERA, so I do think that this is going to be a team that winds up getting tattooed a little bit, and you do take a look at our good friend Andrew Smiley, and his strikeout numbers, they're way down from what they were. I remember a few years ago with the San Francisco Giants, he was really able to refine that form. This season, he's been getting right in the neighborhood about 7.9 strikeouts per nine innings, actually a little bit less than that, while giving up 1.3 home runs per nine innings. For Smiley on the road this season, he's posting up a 3.91 ERA, giving up six home runs over the course of 48 and a third innings, which is respectable, but opponents hanging north of a 2.50 off of him, and with Brandon Woodruff being as dominant as he has been at home with a 2.51 ERA, being able to get on a strikeouts per nine basis very nearly 12 at home this season, and opponents sending a puck 81 for him. I do think that it's going to be a long day for the Chicago Cubs, so I'm going to be one right with the run line of the Milwaukee Bears. They wind up saying that is 7.4 as well. I do think that's Smiley going to be able to keep the ball in the yard, but I think that four runs might be enough for the Brewers to be able to win this game by multiple runs. So, here at the 7 half, looking at the under and looking at the Brewers on the run line. 9-11, 12 on the bang board. The Atlanta Braves hit the red faceoff against the St. Louis Cardinals as Jordan Montgomery is going to be going for the Cards and Charlie Morton is going to be on the bump for the Braves. The Braves find themselves at a pick'em game. You're getting them in between minus 101 and minus 110. Meanwhile, with the Cardinals, it's in between minus 105 and minus 110. Seven half is the total. Under is minus 120 and the over is even. And with the Braves, I'm going to lay up to a minus 17 with them. I do think that this should be a relative pick'em game. I do need a plus price to be able to take a look at St. Louis. So on a pick'em line, if you've got a minus 105 on both sides, I'd be looking at the Atlanta Braves in this spot with Charlie Morton. He did wind up having a rocky start to the season, giving up three plus runs in eight out of 11 starts. And then he wound up having a scorcher throw. Now he's been able to really find 
sort of his, shall we say, watermark. He hasn't been great. He hasn't been terrible in his last few starts. C.D. Paul has been hurting him a little bit, giving up right around 1.3 home runs per nine innings this season and does have a 5.08 ERA on the road, giving up nine home runs in 62 innings when he has been away from Atlanta with opponents seeing nearly 75 points higher off of him when he is on the road rather than at home. And for Jordan Montgomery, my goodness, what a change of scenery does for a guy. This man has given up one run over the course of his four starts with the St. Louis Cardinals. In those starts, he has went a combined, we're going to do the math here, 26 and two-thirds innings, I do believe, and he has given up in that time span three walks. He has been absolutely incredible for the St. Louis Cardinals team. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression because you take a look at what he was able to do with the New York Yankees, and he was consistent home to road. He was a very solid pitcher, posting up a 369 ERA. Never has been a guy that is going to go out there and get a bunch of strikeouts, and thus far, he has been getting right around eight and a half strikeouts per nine innings. That's relatively what you could expect expect out of him, but now he has to go up against an Atlanta Braves lineup that it is very, very fearsome. Even with Austin Riley, seeing a little bit of regression with regards to the deep ball. He's had like three home runs over the course of his last 26-27 games. It's still a case in which he, Dansby Swanson, Michael Harris the second, have been able to hit between a 284 and a 294. All these guys have been able to supply a double-digit amount of homers. William Contreras along Travis Arnaud at the catcher spot. A combined 30 home runs, both hitting between about a 255 to a 265. Ronald Cunha Jr. has been able to move the line. Very good lineup with the Braves with Maddles and also being able to supply 27 home runs going into Friday. And then for the San Louis Cardinals, how about what Albert Pujols is doing? He is hitting right around about a 440 over the last 35 days. It is absolutely incredible getting a home run every about eight or so at best. He's hitting a 275 now for the season, and Corey Dickerson is hitting a 275 for the season. That is in support of Paul Goldschmidt along with Nolan Arenado. Arenado's been able to hit right around a 300. He has been dealing with a little bit of a injury, actually. It's more of a paternity leave, so a congratulations to him. So he'll probably be out the fold much like he was yesterday. But Goldschmidt, 33 home runs. Brendan Donovan, he's been able to hit right around a 300 as well. And Nolan Gorman has been able to do a good job. He's getting a home run every about four. 14 to 15 or so at best. For the Cardinals, they've got a solid bullpen of guys that are able to give you multiple innings. Someone like a Packy Naughton is able to do so, along with Genesis Cabrera. Now, it looks like Packy Naughton may not be available in this game, so instead you've got the Woodford, who wound up starting a few days ago, along with Andre Pallanti as more of your long guys who are next. He's been a little bit up and down. I do think that the Atlanta Braves have a little bit of a leg up in terms of this bullpen at Tyler Madzik. Since coming off the injured list has been relatively solid. Dylan Lee, A.J. Minter, they're both posting up a sub-3 ERA. Even someone like a Jackson Stevens is able to give you multiple innings. He's been posting up right around 3-3 ERA. Rossi Iglesias, someone I do like as well. So I do think that the Atlanta Braves should be a very slight favorite in this spot. I'm willing to lay up to a minus 1-7 with them. I do what I'm saying, but I at 8.2. Even with Arenado on the full for St. Louis, offense is relatively solid. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression here for Jordan Montgomery, and Martin has had his struggles a little bit on the road as well. So looking over, I'm willing to lay up to a minus 107 with the Bravos. 9-13, 9-14 on the bang board. It is the LA Angels. They third face off against the Toronto Blue Jays. Alec Manoa is going to be going for the Jays, and Shohei Otani is on the bump for the Angels. The Angels are between plus 130 and plus 135 underdogs, and between minus 142 and minus 155 your price on Toronto. 7.5 is your total. Under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. Willing to lay up to a minus 154 on the Toronto money line. If you're looking at the run line, you're finding that more on a plus 140. I'd rather take a like mid 140s money line rather than take the plus 140 run line. I do need at least a plus 137 to take a shot on the run line. I see a little bit more value with the money line because I do think that Joy Otani going to be able to go out there. 
it's going to be able to shove and give a very nice start. With Otani, he's been able to get right around 12 strikeouts per nine innings. Seen a little bit of regression recently as in his last start, he was only able to go four innings against the Detroit Tigers. I don't necessarily stick a ton of stock into that, though, because I know that he was dealing with a little bit of a stomach bug prior to that one. So that is one that I do wind up sort of just chalking it up as a little bit of bad luck as to when his start wound up falling there. But overall for Shoy Otani, he does have a 344 ERA on the road compared to a 232 at home. So that is certainly of note for Shoy Otani. He's been giving up right around 1.1 home runs per nine innings. He's been able to do a solid job in terms of the walks as well. Right around about 2.4 walks per nine innings. And Alec Manoa has had his struggles recently as well, giving up three plus runs and now three out of his last five starts. Granted, two starts against the Orioles, a start against the Yankees. So he has faced some rather stiff competition, but Manoa, he's been very solid at home in starts I've actually been in Toronto for his career. He's got right around a 2.5 ERA. His home runs per nine rate, it is sub 0.8 in that time span as well. Strikeout numbers this year have been a little bit down. He's been able to get more in the neighborhood about 8.2 strikeouts per nine innings after it was more like 10 last season, but it's done a good job with fewer than two walks per nine innings as well, and this is an LA Angels lineup that's not great right now. You've got Otani along with Mike Trout who have been able to do a terrific job, both of these guys. 25-plus home runs. Both of these guys, along with Luis Arnifo and David Fletcher, are actually in between about a 260 to a 270. The top four for this team are not good. Once you get outside of these four, among starters that we wound up seeing on Friday, you had one guy that was hitting above a buck 82 going into the night, and Joe Adele, who was hitting about a 220. I mean, boy. Talk about bad with guys like Mike Ford, Andrew Velasquez, Kurt Suzuki. These are guys that should not be getting starts on them for the Toronto Blue Jays. You don't have those holes, says George Springer, along with Flag Guerrero Jr. These guys in between about a 275 to 285. Both of these guys are able to bring some thunder as Flag Guerrero Jr. has been able to supply five home runs over the last three weeks. George Springer, he's been able to go deep overall for the season. 18 times. It's been a little bit touch and go ever since he's come off the injury list, but Alejandro Kirk, Lourdes Gurriel, both hitting above a 290. You've been able to have Matt Chapman be able to supply over 20 home runs for this team. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, the bullpen has really been able to shape up as well. Yumi Garcia, Adam Simber, Anthony Bass, David Phelps, Tim Meza, all these guys providing a sub 3-3 ERA. And then Joe Romano at the closer spot is in solid. Meanwhile, for the Angels, Ryan Tapera has been a little bit better as he, Jose Cuillada, Jimmy Harrigan are posting up a sub 3-6 ERA, but it's not saying a whole heck of a lot. They're looking at Jose Marte for innings. He's got a 5 ERA. Geraldo Reyes is now someone that they're relying upon for innings. Not necessarily a place where you do want to be, so I do think that the Blue Jays are going to be able to get into that Angels bullpen. I do think that Otani starting to regress a little bit. I still think that he delivers a solid start, and Manoa's seen a little bit of shakiness as well, so I'm going to be looking at the overset. My total is 7.6, but I do think that the Blue Jays really get into that Angels bullpen for that over, and with the Blue Jays wanting to take them on the money line. 9-15, on the bank board. It is the Tampa Bay Rays on the road facing off against the Boston Red Sox. Richel is going to be going for the Sox. Jeffrey Springs is on the bump for the Rays. Rays are between a minus 110 to a minus 115 favorite. Between minus 105 and plus 102 is your price on Boston. Nine is the total. The under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. Did wind up saying my total and an 8.8. I'm going to be looking at the under with the way that the Rays have been able to maneuver their bullpen, but no faith in the guys that follow up Richel. I'm going to be taking a look at the Rays. Was one lay up to a minus 135 for Boston. They've got a full point worse on their bullpen ERA since the All-Star break than any other team in baseball. And they did wind up having their starter in Mr. Michael Walker wind up getting lit up a little bit yesterday as well. So that puts them behind the eight ball a little bit further. Whenever Garrett Woodlock has been out there, he's been able to do a solid job in this bullpen. But Austin Davis, Matt Barnes, Ryan Brazier, Jurisic Familia, all these guys with north of a five ERA 
just absolutely killer. And then for the Tampa Bay Rays, they did wind up using JT Chirgois as an opener for Ryan Yarbrough, so they did have to dive into their bullpen a little bit, but ever since Chirgois and Fairbanks have gotten off the injured list, these guys have been relatively solid. Brooks, Rayleigh, Colin Pooch, both of these guys have been able to do a nice job of being a down, providing a sub-3-3 ERA. Jason Adam, he's got a sub-2 ERA of his own as well, so you've got a very solid bullpen with the Tampa Bay Rays team, and with the Rays being able to get back Harold Ramirez, who's sitting in the neighborhood about a 3-30, that is big. You saw G-Man Troy really start to regress before he wound up getting a little bit of time off. He winds going deep yesterday. Yandy Diaz, he has a 385 on base overall for the season. David Peralta has been able to move the line, hitting about a 250. Roman Quinn since getting over to the Tampa Bay Rays. He's banging north of the 250. Do have a couple guys like Taylor Walls, UJ, there are sort of liabilities, but got that with the Boston Red Sox as well. Jaron Duran, Kevin Ploiecki, both of these guys are hitting below a 225. Jackie Bradley was so bad that he wound up getting DFA. Now, they do have guys at the top doing a good job of being able to put back the ball Get on base. J.D. Martinez has been one of them for much of the year, but ever since he also raked, he's been hitting right around at 200. Alex Verdugo, meanwhile, along with Christian Arroyo, Xander Bogarts, all these guys in between about a 280 to a 300 in the case of Bogarts. Rafi Devers being on the fold yesterday, something that you do want to know because he's been able to hit right around at 290, 25 plus home runs. Really nobody outside of Rafi Devers that's currently healthy has been able to give the team more than 11 home runs this season as well. So lots hurting this team. And for Rich Hill, he's the oldest active starting pitcher in the big leagues. He's been able to do a solid job of being able to key in on the walk. So a little bit of credit where credit is due for Rich Hill on that front. But the strikeout numbers, they certainly are down. He's now getting more around six half strikeouts per nine innings. And for Jeffrey Springs, he's been able to do a solid job all season long for the Tampa Bay Rays team as he's posting up a 246 ERA. Home and road splits, they aren't necessarily too demonstrative as he's been able to do a nice job of being able to get right in the neighborhood about nine and a half strikeouts per nine innings. He's given up right around one home run per nine innings. Meanwhile, Rich Hill's more like 1.2 home runs per nine innings. And for Rich Hill, he's just allowing opponents to make a little bit too much contact off of him right around nine and a half hits per nine innings out of him as well. He's had some tough Home starts, to say the least, for Rich Hill. He's actually been a little bit better on the road, so this is one of the circumstances in which I'm going to be taking a shot on the Tampa Bay Rays. Willing to lay up to a minus 135 with them. They want to say Rich Hill at an 8.8 as well, so at the 9, looking at the under along with the Rays. 9.17, 9.18 on the betting board. Dallas Keuchel is back! He is going to be pitching for the homestanding Walker Texas Rangers are facing off against the Detroit Tigers. Eduardo Rodriguez goes for the Tigers against Mr. Keiko currently no numbers up on this game. We did not know until the evening time that we would wind up getting the gift that keeps on giving in Mr. Dallas Keiko and Keiko rhymes with cycle, so hopefully we do wind up having a couple of Detroit Tigers players wind up hitting for the cycle. Now, with the Detroit Tigers, they are scoring the fewest runs per game of any team on the road in the big leagues this season, as it has been rather deplorable. What we've seen out of them, Akil Badu, Jameer Candelario, Jonathan Scope, Tucker Barnard, Akil Badu, all these guys are 200 or lower, but many of these guys have been replaced. Now you have Victor Reyes along with Harold Castro hitting at 280. Riley Green has been able to give this team a little bit more as he, Eric Haas, Willie Castro hitting between about a 235 to a 247. Power is still a big issue for this team. You've got 72 home runs going into the game on Friday. The duo of Anthony Rizzo along with Aaron Judge and more home runs than that with Javi Baez leading the way with 11 home runs, but they've got more guys that are able to move the line, and Dallas Keuchel does not make it hard to be able to make contact. Now, for the Texas Rangers lineup, they certainly do a solid job of being able to put back to ball themselves, as you've got Adelise Garcia, Nate Lowe, Marcus Simeon, all entering into Friday with approximately 20 home runs. Corey Seager, he has been the main manager for this team. 
He's hitting a 250-70. He's got 26 home runs as he, Adelise Garcia mentioned before, Jonah Heim, Ezekiel Duran. And then you're able to throw in there Bubba Thompson. All these guys are in between about a 246 to a 256. So these guys do a solid job of being a reach base. But for the Texas Rangers, they also don't necessarily back up. Dallas Keiko with the world's greatest bullpen as Brock Burke, Matt Moore, both of these guys have been able to supply a sub-2-2 ERA. But Josh Saboris has been posting up a 5 ERA. Dennis Santana, really over the last two and a half months, he's been posting up north of a 10 ERA. Jose Leclerc is starting to round into form. And for the Detroit Tigers, this is a top 8 team when it comes to bullpen ERA themselves. As Jose Cicerno, Jason Foley, Alex Lang, Joey Menes, all these guys have been able to supply a sub-3-3 ERA. Gregory Soto has been a relatively solid reliever for the team as well. And for Eduardo Rodriguez, he spent quite a bit of time away from the team, but in his first start back, he looked relatively solid. Five scoreless innings against the LA Angels. Now, it was against the LA Angels, but if you take a look at his minor league appearances as well, he was able to do a good job on that front. And then for Dallas Keuchel, good grief. The guy has nearly a 7 ERA this season. He has been giving up the deep ball like crazy. He gets fewer than 6 strikeouts per 9 innings. He's giving up nearly 4 walks per 9 innings. It didn't work for him with the Arizona Diamondbacks. It didn't work with him with the Chicago White Sox. And you're able to go back last season when he was with the White Sox when he was giving up a right around a 5-ish ERA. This guy just winds up getting banged around like a pinata. I have no idea why he's getting another shot. I think that this should be a relatively pick'em game, and that's saying something how lowly I think of the Detroit Tigers. I set the Rangers at a minus 106, so if I'm able to get pretty much any sort of a plus price on the Detroit Tigers, I'm going to be taking a look there, and I mean, for me to set a Tigers total north of 8.5 on the road away from Coors Field, it really takes a feat, but made my total an 8.7, 8.5 or less, looking at an over 9 or higher to the under. As we go 9.19, 920 on the bang board. The Baltimore Orioles, they third face off, gets the Houston Astros. Jose Arikidi is going to be going for the Strohs, and Dean Kramer is on the bump for Baltimore. Baltimore, an underdog of anywhere between plus 160 and plus 168. Meanwhile, anywhere between minus 180, minus 190, your price on Houston. 8 is the total, the over is minus 120, and the under is even. I needed at least a plus 164 to take a shot on the Orioles, and we have been able to get there. Now for Jose Arikidi, he's been able to do a significantly better job of being able to get some swings and misses and just keep the ball in the yard in general at home rather than on the road. You take a look at Arikidi overall for the season. A 12-4 and record probably doesn't necessarily quite deserve that is he's got a 363 ERA, but a 287 ERA at home, 424 ERA on the road. His strikeouts per nine rate is just below nine at home. On the road, that winds up falling to more around about a six and a half, and he has been giving up the deep ball a little bit at home. Nine home runs over the course of 59 and two-thirds innings, but 12 bombs in 74-plus innings on the road as well, so it has been a case of which home cooking has been very polite to Jose Arquiti, and then you take a look at Dean Kramer. For the Orioles, they went 3-15 and in his first 18 career starts. They have really been able to pick it up as they are now 8-5 and in his last 13. And for Kramer, he has been able to do a solid job on the road. 372 road ERA compared to a 316 ERA at home now. With Kramer, I do think that there might be a little bit of regression because he's not much of a swing and miss guy. He gets right around 7 strikeouts per 9 innings and opponents are going to get 280 off of him. Very much a pitcher contact guy, but has been allowing a little bit less than home run per 9 innings in the neighborhood about 2.1 walks per 9 innings. Now with this Houston Astros lineup, you do have it be a little bit down from last season, but still Alex Bregman, Kyle Tucker, Jose Altuve between 19 and 22 home runs apiece. You've got Tucker, Bregman throwing their trade boom boom Mancini only between about a 262 and 270 for the team. Jordan Alvarez has seen a little bit of a dip in his numbers. I do think that this is not something that you want to take lightly as over the last three days, has been aiming more around a 250 with just three home runs in his last 90 or so at bat. So 
He's been in a little bit of a funk, but Yoli Gurriel's been hitting right around 275 over the last 30 days. And then for Baltimore, it's just a lot of bounce with this team as Adelie Rushman, Cedric Mullins, Ryan Moncastle, Anthony Santander, Roman Urias, Ryan McKenna. All these guys are in between about a 247 to a 265. Santander has been the main matcher with 22 home runs, but I mean, pretty much everyone else I mentioned have been able to give you a double digit amount of homers. And Ode Mateo, ever since the All Star break, he's been in above a 300. He and Cedric Mullins have combined 53 on bases, most of any duo out there in baseball. And for the Baltimore Orioles, they do back up Kramer with a top seven bullpen in terms of ERAs. You've got Cianel Perez, Dylan Tate, Keegan Aiken, Felix Batista, Joy Crebiel. All these guys have been able to give you a sub 3-2 ERA for the Astros. They've been spending much of the year at either number one or number two in terms of bullpen ERAs. Rafael Montero, Ryan Stanek. These guys have been your main guys out there, but Brian Abreu, Brian Presley as well, all providing a 3-11 ERA or better. Been able to get some good performances out of Seth Martinez as well. So I do think that both of these teams are going to be able to get good performances on the bullpen. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression here for Kramer. Here at the 8, I think that it's gone a little bit too low. I set my toe at an 8.3 looking over, but at a plus 164 greater, which I'm seeing right now, one we'll take shot on the Baltimore Orioles. 921-922 on the main board. The Oakland A's are going to be playing us in New York Yankees. Domingo Hadraman is going to be going for the Yankees, and Adam Uller is on the bump for Oakland. Oakland is an underdog of any more team, plus $2 and plus 208 Meanwhile, between minus 230 and minus 240 is your price on the Yankees. 7.5 to 8 is your total on the 8. The under is minus 120, and the over is even on the 7.5. The over is minus 120, and the under is even and when it comes to the A's I needed at least a plus 266 to take a shot and with the New York Yankees I was willing to lay up to about a minus 160 on the run line Right now, that Yankees run line, you're going to be finding that right around a minus 130, and I don't think that that's bad value. Domingo Ramon wound up getting completely lit up in his first start against the Houston Astros, giving up five runs over the course of three innings, wound up allowing multiple home runs in that game. Ever since then, he's been a little bit more solid as overall for the season, Domingo Ramon posting up right around a 389 ERA, but if you take that first start out of the fold, the ERA hovers more in the neighborhood of three. You take a look at what he's done in his last five starts. He has allowed two earned runs or fewer in all but one of those starts. He has given up just four walks over the course of his last four starts. He's won six plus innings in two out of his last three. Things are starting to come along for Domingo Armand, and I do recognize that Adam Aller is actually faced off against really good competition, as I believe that he wound up having three starts in a six-start span against the Houston Astros. That's never great, but he's also faced off against the Miami Marlins recently, the Texas Rangers, so he has been able to have that regress a little bit as well, and he's still giving up right in the neighborhood about 1.8 home runs per nine innings. His walks per nine rate hovers in the neighborhood of five. Now, Adam Aller pitches in the most pitcher-friendly ballpark that you're going to find in the big leagues in Oakland, and yet he still has these numbers, and in Oakland, a 771 home ERA, making five starts, six total appearances, giving up seven bombs over the course of 28 innings, and we saw what the Yankees wound up doing on Thursday, where everyone not named John Carlos San and Aaron Judge didn't just wind up having won it. They wound up all having multiple hits. It's absolutely insane, and then you've got Judge along with Anthony Rizzo combined 76 home runs going through the game that we did wind up seeing on Friday. On top of that, you've got DJ LeBay, who seems like it's a little bit banged up. He's still moving the line, though, hitting right around at 375 in terms of his on base. You do need Josh Donaldson along with Rizzo and John Carlos Sane to pick it up in terms of batting average. You're all in between about a 220 to a 230, but Isaiah Canerfa, Jose Trevino, both of these guys hitting right in the neighborhood about a 270, and then for the Oakland A's, certainly has not been a case in which you've been able to get the world's greatest offense out of this team, as credit where credit is due, Shea Langoliers has been able at about a 275 since he got brought up to the big league level, but a very, very small sample size on that front, and he's the only guy with at least 25 at-bats 
That's currently hitting above a 255 for this team. You do have Sean Murphy along with Seth Brown. It combined 33 home runs going into the game that we wound up seeing on Friday. But so many guys like Brown, Tony Kemp, Vidal Machine, Jonah Bride, Nick Allen. You're able to go down the line of guys hitting at 227 or lower as a collective. The Oakland A's hit below a 210 at home. And then for the Oakland A's, the one thing that you're able to hang your head on is a bullpen. Sam Mull, A.J. Puck, Domingo Acevedo, Danny Jimenez, Zach Jackson, all been able to provide a sub 3-3 ERA. But for the New York Yankees, even with Clay Holmes out of the fold, you still have a lot of guys that you're able to rely upon. Ron Bernanacchio, Wandy Peralta, Lucas Lutke. All these guys have been able to give you a sub-3 ERA for Lutke ever since the really end of the month of May. He has been one of the best bullpen pieces really in the big leagues. Luke Bard has been able to give you a sub-3 ERA. He's been much of the season with the Rays, but he's able to go multiple innings as well. So that is going to be able to help out this New York Yankees team. I do think that they wind up getting to Adam Aller. I do think that they wind up lighting him ablaze. I like what I'm seeing out of Domingo Herman right now, so I'm going to be willing to lay the run line of the New York Yankees. And I did wind up saying my total at a 7.8 in this spot just because I do think that Adam Aller just not going to be able to deliver a good performance against a Yankees team that all of a sudden, thanks to what we wanted seeing on Thursday, they finally been able to bust out with the bat. So looking over and looking at the run line of the Yankees as we go 923-924 on the betting board. The Cleveland Guardians at the red face off against the Seattle Mariners as Luis Castillo is going to be gone for the Mariners. And you've got Zach Plesak on the bump for Cleveland. 7 is the total over and under both at minus 110 and with Seattle. It's anywhere between minus 170 and minus 180 on the money line. Between plus 155 and plus 158 is going to be your price on the Guardians. And if you're taking a look at the run line of the Seattle Mariners, you are going to be finding that at a plus 125. A little bit of a sticky situation here as I set the Mariners minus 172, but needed at least a plus 118 to be able to take a shot on the run line. So I current numbers. This is where I'd be looking, looking to lay a run. And that's because with Zach Plesak, he's very much a pitch-to-contact guy. Now, for the Seattle Mariners, they do leave a little bit of something to be desired in terms of the lineup. But you do have a pair of guys in Julio Rodriguez, couple with Eugenio Suarez, who have been able to do it all season long. He combined 43 home runs out of these two gentlemen, both giving you between about a 315 to a 325 on base. Rodriguez being able to be a good stolen base guy as well, but Mitch Hanniger coming back, I think is just so massive for this team. He's got seven home runs and 102 at-bats going into Friday last season. He had 39 home runs and was really the guy that came up with clutch hits all season long. Now, they do leave something to be desired with guys like Carlos Santana, Dylan Moore, Cal Raleigh hitting a 215 or lower. And for the Cleveland Guardians, they like a lot of firepower as well. They're in the bottom three in the big leagues in terms of home runs on a per-game basis, so they do have three guys with 15-plus bombs. Andre Semenis, Josh Naylor both have 15, and then Jose Ramirez with 25. But to the Guardians' credit, they have the fewest strikeouts on a per-game basis of any team out there in baseball. And the three guys I mentioned a little bit before, along with Oscar Gonzalez, Amid Rosario, Stephen Kwan, they are all hitting a 266 or greater. And really, they're out there in Ayler, and everyone's hitting a 283 or better. So the Guardians, they do a very solid job of being able to move the line, but they can't wind up getting that deep shot for both of these teams. They've been incredible in terms of the bullpen ever since the middle part of June. The Seattle Mariners have had the number one bullpen in terms of ERA. Andres Munoz, Diego Casio got off to rough starts of the season. They have been rock solid ever since then. Penn Murphy, Paul Sewald, Eric Swanson, they've got sub three ERAs for the entirety of the season. And for the Guardians, Nick Sandlin, couple with Tra- Trevor Stevens. Both of these guys, sub three ERA. They've been using up Emmanuel Clase quite 
a bit recently, but Class A has really been a top two closer in the league, along with Edwin Diaz of the New York Mets. These guys have been terrific, and Yadier Los Santos, a sub-3 ERA, but I do take a look at the starting pitching matchup, and it is a big edge to the Seattle Mariners, in my opinion. You take a look at what Luis Castillo has been able to do overall for the season, going back to his time with the Reds and Great American Ballpark, very much a pitcher-friendly ballpark. He's been giving up right around 0.7 home runs per nine innings. He's now got a couple of starts under his belt with the Mariners, four in total. He's got a 3-1-6 ERA, and I believe that two of those starts did wind up coming against the New York Yankees. He did wind up getting lit up a little bit against the Oakland A's, but in his first start at home against the Yankees, eight scoreless innings, and then he goes up against a guy in Zach Plesak that he deserves better than a 2-11 record. No offense or buts about it, but does have a 4-43 ERA. Once again, guy that only gets right around six and a half strikeouts per nine innings on the road to 493 ERA, giving up right around 1.3, 1.4 home runs per nine innings. So I do think that the Seattle Mariners should be able to get to Plesak. They should be able to put a couple of runs up on the board. And the Guardians, they do a solid job of being able to move the line as well. This is going to be, though, a nighttime game out there in Seattle. So that's going to knock the ball down a little bit. I think seven, a little bit extreme. I saw my total at a 7.2, so I'm willing to take an over on a seven. And here with the Mariners, set the minus 172 on the money line. So where I'd be looking at current numbers will be the run line getting right around a plus 125 with them. 925, 926 on the betting board. It is the Kansas City Royals that are going to be playing us to the San Diego Padres. You Darvish is going to be going for the Padres. This is as to be determined as it gets with the Royals. I literally have this filled in as bullpen game because there's a ton of injuries with the Royals and the guys that they're looking to recall from the minor leagues, they wouldn't be on proper rest right now for this team. So it's not great to say the least. And as a result, with regards to Darvish and company, I wound up setting them as a minus 234 favorite against a Kansas City Royals team. Most likely going with some form of a bullpen game and the Royals currently last in the American League in terms of bullpen ERA. That's not necessarily too heartening. Now, what is good for the Kansas City Royals is that they do have guys who are able to take you yard as Salvador Perez, Bobby Wood Jr., MJ Melendez. They've all been able to provide 14 plus home runs with Melendez. He's been able to get a little bit hotter with the bat in terms of the power over the last three days as he's been able to crank out really four home runs over the last, we're going to call it three weeks, but he, other than that series against the Boston Red Sox, where I think he wound up hitting all four of them, he's been a little bit cold, hitting about a buck fifty over the last two plus weeks. You've had Michael Massey be able to get on, he's hitting a 270, but got guys like a Nate Eaton, Nick Prado, Brent Rooker, guys like this, they're in below a 200, that winds up hurting this offense a little bit. Salvador Perez is not been able to do a great job of getting on base for the San Diego Padres. Say what you will about this offense, but Brandon Drury, Manny Machado, coupled with Juan Soto, have all been able to give you at least 22 home runs this season for the Padres. They're actually the third worst team in terms of runs per game at home because they do play at Petco. They're still averaging over five runs per game on the road, so on the road, this offense has looked the way that we thought it was going to with guys like Will Myers, Awesome Kim, Austin Nola, being able to provide a batting average between about a 245 to a 255 with Kim really being able to come on towards back half of this season, but at home, been a little bit of a different circumstance now with the Padres. They are also back up by Josh Hader, who in his last 15 appearances has north of a 13 ERA. That is far from amazing to say the least, but you've been able to have Nabel Cruz might be able to supply a sub-3 ERA. He's able to give you multiple innings, and you do want to keep in mind you Darvish's home and road splits, because you Darvish ever since he got to San Diego, he's had a ERA nearly two points lower at home rather than on the road thus far this season. A 450 road ERA. Opponents ranking at 260 off of him with 10 home runs over the course of 74 innings. Meanwhile, he's given up 7 bombs in 74 and 2 thirds innings with opponents hitting a 172 to a 229 ERA at home, but I do think that he's going to be rock solid and for the Royals. I just don't know what they're going to be trotting out here in this start. I mean, Chris with the K, Bubich should not wind up having the world's greatest start. Yesterday, you've got 
Not a lot of guys that have a lot of ex starting experience. If you're looking for one, it's probably Luke Weaver, and he's got a 771 ERA. He's made one start this season. That came with the Arizona Diamondbacks, and he's just been terrible. This season, Carlos Hernandez, I guess, could give you a start. He's got an 841 ERA. I mean, these options are not good at all. Dylan Coleman, Scott Barlow have been okay out there in the bullpen, but boy... It's rough with the Kansas City Royals. I'd be willing to lay up to about a minus 150 on the run line with Padres set them at a minus 234. And I do want to say my tell at an 8.4 because I do think that you, Darvish, going to be able to hold down the Kansas City Royals. So eight or less looking at an over eight and a half prior to the under. I do think that the Padres struggles are worth noting a little bit, but that's where we stand right now in a little bit of a to-be-determined situation. Once we wind up getting a set starter, should be able to update this a little bit, but that's what I'm going with with the default bullpen game of the Kansas City Royals. 927, 928 on the bank board. The Arizona Diamondbacks make the road face-off against the Chicago White Sox as Merrill Kelly is going to be going for the Diamondbacks and it is currently listed as to be determined for the Chicago White Sox, which is why this game is off the board. From the grapevine, I am hearing that Davis Martin is going to be getting the start and if it is Mr. Martin against Merrill Kelly, Relative pick'em game. I did wind up saying the White Sox as a minus 112 favorite, and this would be a total which I would be setting at an 8.4, so an 8 or less looking at an over 8.5 prior to the under. For Merrill Kelly, one bugaboo that he's always had with Arizona has been he has pitched significantly better at home rather than on the road in his first few seasons. That's reverse this season. He is 7-1 with a 2.49 ERA on the road, 3-4 with a 3.16 ERA at home, giving up three home runs in 65 innings away from Arizona, and opponents are getting $1.99 off of him. He has been absolutely terrific. Now, the one danger that you run with the Arizona Diamondbacks is that this bullpen is not good, to say the least. You've had Joe Mantiply be able to supply a sub-3 ERA. They pick up a Monanta from the LA Dodgers, but Noyer Ramirez, Mark Melanson, Kevin Ginkle, Luis Frias... All these guys have an ERA of a 488 or higher. It's not too terrific. Meanwhile, for the Chicago White Sox, Jimmy Lambert, Rinaldo Lopez have been relatively solid bullpen pieces for this team. You're able to rely upon Kendall Graveman and Liam Hendricks, but it's been a relatively rough bullpen of their own for the Chicago White Sox. They rank in the bottom six in the big leagues in terms of home runs on a per-game basis. You do have guys that are able to do a very solid job of being able to move the line. As when he's been out there, Tim Anderson, who has been missing for quite a while, Eloy Jimenez, Jose Abreu, Andrew Vaughn, all these guys have been able to a two 94 or greater, but for Obreu, along with Andrew Vaughn, Luis Robert, throw him in there as he's been missing quite a bit of time. These guys have between 12 and 14 home runs, and they're really leading the way for this White Sox team. And then at the bottom of the fold, guys like Lurie Garcia, Yasmani Grandal, Alvis Andrus, they're not doing a good job of being able to move the line for the Diamondbacks for the season. They're in the bottom six in terms of batting average, but Quito Marte has been able to pick it up. He and Emmanuel Rivera have been able to hit between about a 245 to a 255 along Alec Thomas for the season. And since Rivera has been able to get to the air the Diamondbacks sitting above a 275. Josh Ross has been able to 285. Christian Walker, post all-star break, has been hitting right around 260. He's got 30 home runs this season for the Diamondbacks. They average right around 1.3 home runs per game when they are on the road. Guys like Carson Kelly, Geraldo Perdomo, Sergio Alcantara at the bottom of the fold. They do need to pick it up a little bit. And I do take a look at Davis Martin. He's a guy that I think has some upside. And I do think that the White Sox should be giving him starts over Fat Lance Lynn because I mean, he is actually able to give you a somewhat decent effort. Not necessarily the world's greatest swing and miss guy at this point for Davis as he's been getting right around seven punch outs per nine innings, but has kept the ball in the yard, giving up four home runs over the course of 30 and a third innings. has been lit up a little bit at home, but I mean, that's over a sample size of 8.2 innings. I don't stick too much into that. I like what I've seen out of Davis Martin, so this is a spot in which 
to minus saying the White Sox with Davis Martin going at a minus 112. And Adolis will be looking at an over 8.5 prior to the under. We wrap things up with 9.29, 9.30 on the bank board. The Minnesota Twins play out to the San Francisco Giants. Alex Cobb is going to be going for the Giants. And Sonny Gray is on the bump for Minnesota. The Twins are between minus 125 and minus 135 favorites. Meanwhile, between plus 110 and plus 125 is your number on the Giants. 7.5 is your total over and under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. Let's go on to go up to a minus 133 with Sonny Gray and company. I do think that Sonny Gray is going to be able to bounce back a little bit more, and I do think that this is a ballpark that is suited quite well for him. Sonny Gray has seen a little bit of a dip in terms of swing and miss stuff this season, getting nine strikeouts per nine innings, but has still been giving up a little bit less than home run per nine innings, 307 home area compared to a 315 ERA on the road. But you take a look at the recent starts for Sonny Gray, and they have been very solid. Last two starts gave up two runs across 12 innings. Over the course of his last five starts, 26 and two-thirds innings, he has been giving up a few more walks in that time span, right around 3.3 walks per nine innings, but posting up an ERA of a 2.03 as well. So Sonny Gray, after he's been off and on injured this season, he seems to be rounding into form. And then for Alex Cobb, it's been just a very, very unlucky season for him. Opponents are getting a 2.60 off of him, but you take a look at Alex Cobb. He's getting a little bit over nine strikeouts per nine innings. And he's got an ERA that is north of a 4.5 on the road. And he just really does not deserve it. ERA overall for the season is a 3.99. Fielding independent is a 3. It's really hard to have a fielding independent a full point lower than your ERA. 0.7 home runs per nine innings, two and a half walks per nine. But the problem with Alex Cobb as well, along with the bad luck that he's been getting this season, he's backed up by a bullpen that's not great. Now, John Brebbia, Camilio Duvall, Charlie Garcia, they're providing a sub-3 ERA, but guys like a Tyler Rogers have been terrible for this team. Whenever they've had Junior Marte of the Marte Parte up there, it's not been great. Zach Liddell has been posting up north of a 4-4 ERA this season. Has been a little bit better recently. I'll give him that, but it's not been a good Giants bullpen. I still think that they're missing Buster Posey, and every single time I look at the Giants and I see them in the top 10 in the big leagues in terms of runs scored, I'm just bewildered because this is not a team that they've got a lot of power. Jock Peterson, Wilmer Flores, they've been able to give you between 16 and 18 home runs apiece. Both of these gentlemen, Evan Longoria, Tommy LaSalle, Austin Sritt, later, they're hitting between about a 250 to a 265. So it's not like they've got a bunch of guys that do a great job of moving the line. Mikey Strzemski, Brandon Crawford, they've been disappointments this season. Now, credit where credit is due. Joey Bart, ever since the All-Star break, has been hitting right around 300. And for the Minnesota Twins, they are going to be missing Byron Buxton as he wound up hitting the injured list. Leader in home runs for the team with 28. But if you got Carlos Correa along with Ore Palon, both supplying 15 bombs and for Palanco, 345 on base. Carlos Correa, Jose Miranda, Giorgio Shella, these guys all move the line in between about a 265 to a 275. Gilberto Cicino, Kyle Garlic, maybe they will get on base as well. Luis Arias has been hitting well above 300 as well. For the Minnesota Twins, I do trust in their bullpen a little bit more as well. Yonder, and he leads the big leagues in terms of pitches thrown at 100 plus miles per hour. He's got a sub-3 ERA. Trevor McGill has been able to give you good innings out of the bullpen. Right around a 3-5-ish in terms of his ERA now. Emilio Pagan is someone that you want absolutely no part of. This guy's been terrible, but Caleb Theobar, a guy that I haven't had a lot of trust in in recent years. He's looked better recently. In his last 10 appearances, he's posted up a 1 ERA, so that's all. Ori Lopez comes over at the trade deadline. He's got a sub-250 ERA for the season. Michael Fulmer has been able to do a relatively solid job as well, so this is a case in which I'm going to be taking a look at the over. I do think that the Giants are going to be able to to gray a little bit, but I also do think that even without Byron Bucks and the Twins, going to be able to move the line against not just Cobb, but also the bullpen as well, and want to lay up to a minus 133 with the Minnesota Twins, and that'll wrap things up for the Saturday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Vison Family Podcast. Big thanks to Chris Gian. does a great job over there at Monumental Sports Network. He joined me in the last segment. If you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you are able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast, you've got one or two ways to be able to find those in. First one is 
is my Twitter timeline at gnet underscore d1. Keep in mind the letters EM. Amy does not matter. As per usual, please just send these into the timeline. The other way it is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're about firing whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. I have that five star review. Coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. That means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.